You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya Podcast app. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's show, we're going to talk about some, some questions going into training camp. And I think more importantly, maybe how few there are in terms of actual specific player battles. And this is something we talked a little bit about going into OTAs. That's going to be a little bit later in the show. Let's start with the breaking news that was really not a secret, really not breaking, but officially became official yesterday that the Packers are going to play in Canada in the preseason. And they are, they are no stranger to some strange preseason trips. I don't think Canada is strange for them. Remember back in the Favre Packer days in the 90s, they played in Japan in the preseason against the Chiefs. This is something that I think is really interesting for Green Bay because Canada should be their domain. It should, this should be easy. They should be very appealing as a franchise to Canadians. And there are Packer fans everywhere. And so that should be obvious that there's going to be some Packer fans up there. But I think Green Bay, by not doing this sooner, I mean, Buffalo was really smart. Obviously, Buffalo is close to Canada. So it's a little bit different. If you're in Toronto, it's pretty easy to get to Buffalo. But for the Packers, Green Bay is also not that far from Canada. The Packers are a small market franchise. They represent a, a kind of team that I think is appealing potentially to Canadian sports fans and a sensibility that would be appealing to Canadian sports fans. This is something that, that I think, frankly, Green Bay should have looked into a long time ago. And the essential part of this for the Packers is they're not giving up a game at Lambeau. This is a game against the Raiders. It's going to be in Winnipeg. And it's an Oakland game that's being given up. Because the Packers don't want to give up those Lambeau games. It's one of the reasons why they haven't played in London. Although Aaron Rodgers has openly advocated for it. I think it's a great experience. I think it's something that you know, benefits all teams when they get to go across the pond, as it were, and play and, and expand their brand. Green Bay doesn't need any help with their branding. But these kinds of opportunities can play a role in expanding the brand of this franchise. And for whatever you want to say about Mark Murphy... And I understand not everyone likes some of the, the developments that's going on around Lambeau and, and what's taking place there, but it is working in New England. And they have, they have built a little mini community around Gillette. And if anyone hasn't been to Milwaukee and gone to the Pfizer Forum and seen the Deer District, 
that stuff has worked. And Green Bay trying to get into that sort of model, they're, they're trying to do something that not only expands their business, which for them is smart, but also creates a, a more immersive experience for fans. And I, it is a smart decision from a branding standpoint, from a, from a revenue standpoint, and from a, a visibility standpoint, along with wanting to have your fans have a top flight experience at the games. These are all, uh, and they're not even risks. It's not a risk worth taking. It's a, it's a plunge worth taking. It's, a, it's an opportunity worth embracing. And I think Green Bay, again, I know they don't want to give up Lambeau Field games, but they should own Canada. I mean, they should own Canada. There, there's already a lot of the, co- I mean, a lot of the, the, we the North in Toronto, a lot of the, there's a lot of memes and and, you know, slogans about around the Packers the same way. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the King in the North. Well, the Raptors started using the same thing, so there's overlap in the brand, and. It, it, it makes sense for Green Bay to expand into this kind of marketplace. I hope they continue to find ways to expand what this franchise is able to do and the reach that they have. It makes sense given the, the national nature of the Packers as a team. They are America's team no matter what the Cowboys say. It, it, you, know, you don't have to know much about sports to know that the Packers are a unique franchise. Or to know that they're they're owned by the fans. In fact, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. They didn't really know football, didn't really know the Packers. The only thing they knew about them was they were owned by the fans. Giving the team the opportunity to go to more places, to reach more fans, in a no-risk environment where you're not giving up games to people at Lambeau, it makes sense. Now, if you want to have a conversation about having to pay full fare to go to Lambeau preseason games, look, let's have a conversation about it. I have never felt like it was fair for fans to have to pay full price to go to a preseason game. I think it's ridiculous. Part of that is supply and demand in terms of the the, the third-party sites that sell these tickets, but the Packers also sell the tickets at, at a certain rate, and that puts a floor on the, the price tag for these tickets. I wish Green Bay understood that and, and basically every team understood that preseason games are not real games. They're basically glorified scrimmages. And though games can be, can be important in deciding who is playing on a roster, to expect fans to pay full price for all of the other stuff that goes along with it, parking and consent, I mean, it's, it's absurd that the expectation is what it is. All of that is true, but if you have the opportunity, and this this was a unique case because Oakland basically doesn't have a home this year, and so they're trying to find as many ways as possible to play in other kinds of places. It's smart for them from a branding perspective and a marketing perspective. Hey, let's go to Canada and see Oakland is a national team too. Doris Burke was just saying on Zach Lowe's podcast she grew up on the East Coast as an Oakland Raider fan. You want to give as many kids as you can, the opportunity to see this team and fall in love with this team. And so expanding the marketplace makes a lot of sense. And this is this is an exciting opportunity. I, I love, 
you know, the neutral site games in college football. I love it. I love it. You know, the Badgers playing LSU at Lambeau Field. That's so cool. I think that's great. And, you know, I'm also glad the days of the Packers playing at Miller Park are long gone. And and no one wants to give up Lambeau games. I get that. But it would be really cool for the Packers to play in London. I would want to go. I know everyone in my family would want to go. And so, no, I don't want the NFL to put a team in London because I think that would just be a logistical nightmare. But in-game experiences are so unique now. And and NFL teams are struggling to get people, and that's not quite true, but there it is it is harder than it's ever been, I think, is the is the fair way to say that, to get people to come to the games. Because football is a game that frankly is better on TV. You sit at home on your sixty inch HD TV, you drink much cheaper beer, you eat much cheaper food. And at the the TV timeouts, you can get up and go to the bathroom. You can look at your phone. You can, you know, go check Twitter or whatever you want to do. You have to find ways to engage your fans. That's why the Deer District is so great because you can go down there, spend money, and you're not you're not going into the game. But you can go and be around your friends or a bunch of other, or you know, ten thousand of your closest friends, and drink beer and eat outside. These are these are things that that the team in every sport is trying to figure out. The Bucks have figured it out. The Packers are working on it. They're trying to figure it out. And this is a component of that. And we'll see how big a component it can be. This is obviously not a Packers strategy, but you know, the two teams get to get to talk about this stuff when they're deciding where to put a game like this. You know, the NFL probably says let's consider a, a international venue. Green Bay doesn't get to say, oh, let's play in Canada. But when the opportunity comes up, they can they can jump at the chance. And in this case, they did. And, and this is the smart choice. I hope there are a lot of fans in Canada who get to go see the Packers, whether they're Packer fans or just NFL fans or whatever it is, that they get to go see the Packers because seeing a game in person is still different. It is still a unique experience. I remember the first game I went to, and it was a long time ago. I was I was young. I was like five. I remember being at the Rose Bowl, and I, I mean, I was five. I might have been four going on five. In the Rose Bowl to see the Badgers beat UCLA and win a Rose Bowl title. That that is that is a memory I will have forever. I remember the first time I went to Lambeau Field. I remember the first time I went to the Humphrey Dome. I remember the first time I went to County Stadium. These are indelible memories. And to give them the opportunity to bring that to more people, to a broader audience, is absolutely something that I'm glad they jumped at the opportunity to take. And I'm not sure every Packers administration over the course of its history would have looked at it the same way. Before we move on, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends' trips. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. So as we look to the rest of the off-season process, there is uh, a mini camp next week, the 11th through the 13th, and then training camp doesn't start until the end of July, the 25th. So there's going to be six weeks. Players are off. So we're not going to have information on what's going on. 
We're not going to have a lot of actual football to talk about. This is why I've saved things like the Indomitian Sioux interview, the Darius Slay interview. We'll still have some some rookie orientation stuff. I'm going to have some other guests on in that dead zone because we still have to find stuff to talk about. But one thing I think that's that's really interesting is, you know, we we talked about after the draft the questions or lack of questions from a positional standpoint. And through OTAs, we didn't leave with any more questions. So you go in and you say, on offense, where are the positional battles? Well, wide receiver two is Geronimo Allison. Devontae Adams, number one, obviously. The number three battle, I guess, it seems like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is is pretty clearly out in front there. We don't know by how much, but he is consistently getting those those first team reps with Aaron Rodgers in two receiver sets with Devontae Adams out during OTAs with that uh, precautionary uh, injury designation. So that's turned out to not be that interesting. Maybe it gets interesting in training camp. Maybe, you know, Equinemius St. Brown or Jake Kumaro makes a bunch of plays and, and suddenly that becomes a little bit more interesting of a conversation. We'll see. It sounds like Geronimo Allison is going to be the slot guy. We were wondering who that was going to be. It looks like it's going to be Allison. So that's another question answered. Offensive line, we know what that's going to look like. Lane Taylor, Billy Turner at guard, the offensive tackles in the center, we know. Okay. Quarterback, we know. Running back, we know. We know what the situation is at tight end, and Danny Vitale is the fullback. Okay, defense. Safeties, done. Linebackers, done. Defensive line, done. Outside linebackers, done. Cornerbacks, I mean, we know Kevin King is going to start. We know Jair Alexander is going to start. And we know Tremont Williams is right now ahead of Josh Jackson and is the preferred, apparently, the preferred slot guy, Tremont Williams is. Now, how this secondary changes when Kevin King is healthy and is able to do you know a more full practice ses- session, we don't know. But the packing order, at the very least, is is pretty clear. So what are the question marks? What are the question marks? Are there personnel question marks? Is Mason Crosby really in danger of losing his spot? I don't think so. Is Trevor Davis going to be good enough as a receiver to make this team because they're not going to keep seven? Marquez Valdez-Scantling had some very nice things to say about Trevor Davis yesterday. So where are the questions? There aren't very many positional question marks. Most of the positional battles are, you know, can Kingsley Kiki become, you know, the the first defensive lineman off the bench? Uh, Who is going to be, is Raven Green going to be good enough to be that third safety to come in and play in nickel and dime situations if they need him to? Did Josh Jackson take that year two leap? Can Oren Burks get the defense down? Some of these things we've talked about, but they're, they're not questions in terms of, well, who's going to start? We know. Pretty much, we know all 22 guys. We know what that's going to look like, which is pretty rare, even for the Packers, a team that has been relatively stable over the last 10, 15 years. There's always been one or two spots where you go, well, you know, who could win? Let's see. We don't really have that this year. I think the biggest question, and, and perhaps the only question that is major in terms of the impact that it's going to have on this team is, where is the offense? What does the offense look like? Where are they with the installation process? How fast are they able to pick up what's going on in the offense? 
I was I was pretty surprised when Matt LaFleur said, we haven't even put everything in yet. We're still working on the installation process. We haven't even, you know, we haven't even done two-minute stuff. And it does seem like there is, even though the, the playbook might be a little smaller, the formations, the motion, the timing, that stuff is all going to take time. And the fact that they haven't even gotten all the plays in means that the training camp learning curve is going gonna, is gonna to be steep. And they're going to have to pick it up quickly because, like I said, end of July is when training camp starts. Well, a month and a half later, the season opens. And they're going to be playing preseason games you know, within two weeks of training camp opening. So you're going you're gonna to have to be prepared. And this is why I've, I kept saying you know, over the course of the offseason, this offense is going to evolve over the course of the season. Part of it is because you know everything that Matt LaFleur wants to do offensively builds to something else. Well, eventually, those counters, teams are going to be ready for. And then you have to have a counter to the counter. And you have to have a counter to whatever the defense you think the defense is going to do or whatever the defense has done to take away your counter. And, and this is how offenses evolve. Unfortunately, Mike McCarthy did not always have good answers. Defenses played him a certain way, and he didn't have answers for it. You know, playing playing cover two was something that you you stymied the Packers doing. And then it got to the point where the offense was so predictable and so non-explosive and so uncreative that teams were like, man, we don't even need to play too deep anymore because we don't trust your ability to push the ball down the field effectively. So we're going to play single high safety against you. We're going to put an extra guy in the box. We're going to take away all of those underneath routes that you like because we know they're coming. And good luck. And the Packers weren't able to evolve. So the difference now is teams the first month of the season are not really going to have a lot to go on. You can watch Titans tape. You can watch some of those you know, Atlanta teams, you can probably watch some 49ers tape. You're going to watch some Rams tape. That's a lot of tape suddenly and, and a lot of threads to have to be pulling on. I think the Titans last year is the best thing, but that was a different personnel group, a different quarterback, a different offensive line, a different set of skill players. So this, this offense this, this year is going to look differently. It has to, or at least it ought to. And so... The first month, Green Bay is going to have a little bit of an advantage if they get on the same page. So this is where that advantage can be mitigated. If you go into week one and you don't have the offense down, you don't have the timing down, you don't have everything fully installed to where you want it to be, then that advantage that you have with all of the unscouted looks, you know, every week a team can throw out half a dozen unscouted looks. Well, Green Bay, that first game, they're going to have a lot of unscouted looks because we've never seen this offense before. Not in the current form with the current personnel. So how are, def- how are defenses going to play them? There is, I think, its own advantage in that. But there's also a disadvantage in that you also don't have any tape on how defenses are going to defend you. And over the first month, that's going to evolve as well. So the offense is, is going to look very different week one as it did in week eight and week 17 and hopefully in the playoffs. There is going to be an evolution because there has to be. And you assume that the guys on the team are going to get better at running it. The fact that there's already a comfort level here is is encouraging. 
but I think you you have to be concerned is the wrong word. It is it is the biggest question right now for this team because they've made the changes in personnel defensively. They've solidified this roster at at basically every spot where it was deficient. And so the big question and really the only question outside of can they stay healthy is can this offense coalesce in time to go win regular season games when it has to? If they need a second-half run against the Bears in Week 1 to win a football game, can they? If they need a, four, a big fourth quarter to win a game against the Vikings, can they? That is, that is a question we don't have an answer to. In years past, you'd say, yeah, we think they can because we know what this offense looks like. We don't know what this offense looks like, and we don't know if they're going to be proficient enough in it to win those games the way that they have to. The dovetailing question, and I think, you know, subsequently the less important question because it builds from the main question is, okay, if the offense isn't quite good enough, and we should expect, by the way, the offense to get better. Week one, it's not going to be as good for any team as it is in week four, week five, week six, week 10, whatever. But can the defense be good enough to mitigate that potential shortcoming? Is the defense going to be healthy? Are they going to be able to coalesce with these new pieces and make plays? Matt LaFleur praised the defense for the communication and uh, the, the way that they're working together as a team for what looks like the cohesion that they already have. It helps that Adrian Amos is a veteran in the back end. It helps that Darnell Savage, by all accounts, is extremely intelligent and has picked up the defense quickly. And it helps that their big free agents up front play a position where, you know, you need to learn blitzes. But at the end of the day, it's go go tackle the ball carrier. See ball, hit ball. Now, obviously, it is more complicated than that, especially with the different kinds of schemes that, that they're going to run. But... Most of the communication issues that come up on a defense are coverage-related. And so if Amos and Savage have picked up the defense, which it seems like they have, you have Oren Burks now with a year under his belt. He's an extremely bright player and an extremely adept coverage player. We talked about this yesterday. Martinez, although he's not great in coverage, he is a very smart player, a leader on this defense. And you have Tremont Williams. You have Jair Alexander, who is on his way to being a star. This is this is the best opportunity this defense has in a couple years to pick up the offense when the offense needs it. So again, the big question, can the offense be ready to go enough to win games if it has to early? And if not, can the defense pick them up? Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6, an ultra-lightweight belt with no holes, no flap, and makes a great Father's Day gift. Go to Grip6.com. That's Grip like the number 6. Grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E for a special offer just for our listeners. All right, we'll be back next week with more Locked on Packers, four shows, our rookie orientation series, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dig into minicamp when we have to. But this is this is a fun part of the offseason, so you know, we're gonna we're gonna try and, and lighten things up a little bit, talk football when we can, when we have to, and have some fun with it. Uh, you know, I think I think there are gonna be certainly be some weeks where, you know, maybe we only do do three shows, uh, because I don't wanna I don't wanna force it. I don't wanna press it. 
and I don't want to waste your time. I understand that this is a beautiful time of year, summer, for all the teachers out there. First of all, thank you for the work that you do, and, and second of all, I hope you're enjoying your, your summer break. If you're a student, same thing. So I don't want to burden you with, with a bunch of content that is just sort of filling to fill. So we're still going to do four shows next week. And then uh, between now and training camp, we, we may lighten the load a little bit. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast and you'll never miss a show. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya, wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers. Subscribe so you'll never miss a show. Just beams right to your phone. It's magic technology. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. And there's going to be a lot of. I want to be very interactive over the next few weeks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put out specific questions that I want you to answer, and then we're gonna we're gonna have some shows to talk about them. Some football related, some football adjacent. I would say. So make sure you put this number in your phone. It's the Locked On Packers fan hotline, and it's 920-341-3775 to always stay Locked On Packers.